Welcome to Style Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we're back for two more episodes of just a an unbelievably great show. And I'm going to say it, uh, two more great episodes of an unbelievably great show. Uh, I gotta, it's, it's rare to me, right? It is legit rare to me that you watch a TV show where every single episode is just top notch, but I don't know that there's a bad episode in the whole first season of Wise Guy. Have you come across one yet? No, I don't think so. Yeah. I'm looking at this prodigal son, it deals the deal. Oh, Prodigal Son's great. That's what we're going to talk in next week. And Deal's a Deal, one of my favorite episodes. Like, of the entire show. So, yeah. uh, But anyway, we'll talk about that next week. Right now, we're focusing on the middle two episodes of the arc, where all of the ra- relationships have been well-established. And while I wouldn't say that things have settled down at all, like, we know who everyone is, we know who, what everyone's relation to everyone else is, and things start really moving. You know, they're chugging along in an interesting fashion. And so the first one we've got here is the birthday surprise. Oh, yeah. Which, again, has my, uh, has the thing I was talking about last week, which, again, was such a trope in 80s fiction, 70s fiction, and started out in the the 90s, uh, where the plot would revolve around a character who's, you know, a relative who's super close to the main character, who's never been mentioned before, right? And uh, the whole episode is going to be about that character. And then we'll largely forget about that character afterwards. Well, yes, but then... then well, no, hey, hey, we'll he talk dies. about that later. Yeah, he no, dies. no, no, we'll no, 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 but he later. dies. And besides, we haven't met anybody of any of his relatives except his brother Pete. Yeah, that's true. So at this, like this early in the season... Yeah. My point is because right, he, but this it, guy is dead, so yeah, he's not going to come dead, up again. But my point is, well, no, he does yes. come up again. That's why it's uh, that's why the show oh, is interesting see. in the second season. Is the yeah. point I'm going to make is they start developing things and getting into the consequences of things, and that, a lot of that happens in the second season, which we'll be talking about later. Yeah. But I just find it interesting because when you're watching this show, you can see how you know modern. TV writers would make this show and it would be different than the version we saw which is you would have met his cousin Danny in the pilot right like yeah. you met would have met his cousin Danny in the pilot in church with the brother Pete uh, you know talking about how and you might have you know had him check in like seen Danny one more time between there like you would have set it up so when he gets killed 10 minutes into this episode it's more of an impact to the audience see what I'm saying Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Stuff would have been That's set what up. you're talking about. Okay. Yes. In the same way that I think Gina would have been, in a modern show, Gina would have been set up earlier in the show. Right? Like, modern shows tend to set up these kinds of character beats a few episodes in advance. So you get to know people before something bad happens to them. Whereas here, they cram all of the development and all of the reactions into just a single episode. And I'm not saying that's... Well, except I am saying that, that's worse, but... Okay, you know. except that that what it does is set up Vinny better. Like, oh, you does. understand Vinny better. You understand the the impact of his being known as a criminal. Yeah, as a hood. Within his family. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that so that you constantly see. This this episode is, is to set up... Um, prodigal son oh absolutely 
uh, there's yeah. no question, right? Yeah. And the thing is, we but the and that's what I'm talking about because in the first episode, he talks about how he can't talk to anyone he knows and he can't talk to any member of his family because everybody thinks he's a hood and his own mother won't speak to him, right? Yeah. And then in this episode, you're like, yeah, well, except for Danny, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like that would have come in a modern version of the show. That would have come up earlier because it flies directly in conflict of what was established in the pilot. And actually, he does have a cousin and, you know, cousin-in-law because uh, yeah. Danny's married and uh, the wife is completely fine with Vinny as well. Right. So they uh, they established that, and I thought that was pretty nice. Uh, and it's a good episode. I'm not saying it's not a good episode. I think it's a great episode. But I just I'm comparing the show Wise Guy, which is fantastic, with what this exact same show made today would look like, and it's it would be a slightly different show in a bunch of ways. Okay. Yeah, that's just I'll all buy I'm that. Saying. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, the episode starts with uh, one of Danny, who's an amateur boxer, right? Uh, yep. who is at his fight happening in the casino. Apparently, like, that's a real thing. Because <laughs> like, I know... It was. Used, yeah. It like, was. They used to have, old... like, in the old days, they would have, like, you know, they would just set up a ring in the middle of the dining room and people would go and watch fights. Yeah, well, remember, they, I mean, they used to have bigger, I mean, they had bigger ballrooms, so, oh, so to speak, and, and bigger places to ha have these kinds of things. I mean, there were... It's funny eh? because people had lots of money in the 60s oh, and the 70s and the 80s. It's going to start to dial back a little dial back. And you can see that in TV production, right? Oh, absolutely. But um, <clears throat> yeah, there was lots of money to, lots to do of money these to go kinds around of things. This kind of thing. yeah. yeah. And then there were there were clubs. I've already talked about the one we went to even in uh, Pittsburgh. Right. You know, where you could see that they could do that. Nice. If they wanted to. Well, um, you know, so yeah. It's, 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 a, it, it's, I don't think you see anything like that anymore. They build arenas now for boxing. Exactly. And the thing is, I mean, but plenty of boxing take... took place. Plenty of boxing, you know, would be at a gym or whatever. Like, they would go and they would have, like, mini arenas and stadiums, blah, blah, blah. But at, at a certain point, there were people just, like, it's so weird to think of people just hanging out in a dining room watching a fight. Well, yeah, but the funny thing is, right, yeah. is that boxing just isn't the same, I don't think. I mean, I'm not into the... Yeah, the world but, of competitive, violent athletics. Well, um, any like, but boxing. I mean, I mean, even if you were not the least bit interested, which generally speaking I wasn't, you still knew the name of main boxers. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and, boxing was an integral part of everybody's life. Like everyone knew who the heavyweight champion of the world was. You know, like, and that's today. And that's who back. knows? Yeah. Who, who on earth <laughs> knows? I, Hell, nobody even plays, pays attention to heavyweight boxing anymore. All people care about are the, your many Pacquiao style skinny guy fights. Well, the interesting, well, even that, who cares? But <laughs> no, there's, there's still audiences for that, but that's basically it. Like, and it's partly all of it's the, uh, all of the fighting has moved to MMA. Okay. Yes, I know. And that's, that's the problem. It's because of the damage. Oh, I mean, yeah. when Muhammad Ali 
or Cassius Clay, as he was in a previous as you life. First, yeah, as you first found out about him, as um, Cassius Clay. You know, when he ends up with Parkinson's from all of the damage that was done yeah, while he was boxing. All of this boxing. And boxing starts to get more and more... Um, well, no, and that's the thing. I think the the late life condition of Muhammad Ali really took the bloom off of the rose of boxing in a lot of ways because suddenly you were face to face with this incredible, uh, loquacious, you know, this charming, loquacious guy who was just a shadow of his former self. And on one level yeah. or another, no matter how much they wanted to right uh wanted to deny it or wanted to not believe it everyone knew it was all the hits he took to the head that turned him into this and that did this to him and right. as a consequence right as a consequence you ended up in this situation where it started putting a bad feeling in people's mouths and honestly in 20 years we could have the same thing when an incredibly popular MMA fighter ends up looking like Cassius Clay now we've never had an MMA fighter become the level i keep saying Cassius Clay Muhammad Ali uh you did that one to me uh but anyway the uh it's funny to me because in the future i, I don't know that we have any mma fighters as high profile as muhammad ali was like i, I don't know that they last too, as long that's part of it but <laughs> yeah. i also think that i mean part of what made muhammad ali so amazing is the comebacks he had you know mm -hmm. coming back from prison and do and becoming a champ again and then coming back from mini retirement and beating up uh, George Foreman. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it's, it's amazing. The comeback after comeback after comeback. And do you have your Foreman grill? <laughs> I still do. Uh, <laughs> it's a very good well, product. It's it a very, a very good very product. Good. I'm not going to pretend it's not. The uh, man who <laughs> called all his children, George. Well, all his male children. All his male children, George. <laughs> uh, I think he had at least one daughter. Uh, but anyway, what fascinating me, uh, what fasc what fascinates me, is the idea that there just doesn't exist in our modern fragmented media landscape, like any single group of people that you need to know the names of. I mean, the closest thing is whoever's in Marvel movies. You know, that is the closest thing to something that everybody watches. But it used to be everybody watched the big boxing match, everyone watched the Super Bowl, everyone watched so and so, and that just isn't a thing anymore. Like there's no sports figure who's the most universally beloved sports figure at the moment. It just it's well, not I th yeah, I think a lot of it got soured. I mean, O.J. Simpson soured everybody. Oh uh, yeah, that that didn't help. You either. know, uh, like there's a whole bunch of things that happened in the '80s and the early '90s that yeah. just soured people. And then the whole business of concussions in football and yeah. all of those things, right, have started to just. But I it's don't a, know where it's a that's... demystification. Anyway, yeah, so this... they're at this boxing match, and uh, Danny, uh, Vinny's cousin, is uh, is I was about to say performing is fighting, and we meet Kiki Vano, a guy who, thank God, he has a mustache because he looks way too much like Ray Sharkey. It would be very <laughs> confusing if Kiki didn't have that mustache and he outrageous looks... clothes and outrageous clothes. He looks so much like Ray Sharkey. Right? Well, yeah, you could say that. They have incredibly similar faces. And Face their voices, structures, yeah, yes. facial structures, and their voices aren't that different either. Yep. Like, it's it's really weird to me. The actor they hired being like, oh, yeah, no, we hired someone who 
looks just like our second lead in the show. Uh, well, and so, please they, they may have done that on purpose. Who knows? You know, like, I mean, it could be a comment given the guy's role in the show, which we'll get to in a second. So what happens is uh, Kiki, who is, you know, just a sleazy mob guy, a guy who fixes fights and deals drugs and, you know, lives around the edges of high-end mob society. So he's not a player, but he knows players. Yeah. And he is going out of the, and he wants to team up, not team up, uh, make a deal between Sonny and the Zarazzos, two Greek mobsters. And who are just starting to yeah, who make to their muscle the felt. Exactly. Right? They are a new generation of ultra-brutal <laughs> gangsters who uh, want to make, yeah, as you say, make themselves, uh, their presence known in America. And what they need is someone to help them move guns and drugs in through the ports, right? Yeah. So, essentially, you need to be able to know that your container isn't going to get searched, and Sonny has custom setups to do that, and so they need to, they need someone like Sonny to help them. And so they uh, offer, and this is, again, how you know they're bad guys and how you know this is going to be a problem. They offer a million dollars to have a conversation with yes. the son, right? To make him a business offer. A million dollars, if someone offers you a million dollars to have a conversation with you, that's not going to go anywhere good. And I know this because that went to, that is how we got, uh, that is how we got The Exorcist Part 2. Have you not heard that story? Probably so, not. Well, it's not exactly how we got it. Um, the Exorcist, as you know, was one of the biggest hits of the 70s. Yes. And it was this horror movie based on a book, so they wanted a sequel. And William Friedkin said, I'm not doing a sequel. And William Peter Blatty, who wrote it, said, I'm not doing a sequel. Uh, is it William Peter Blatty or is he... No, it's not William... P anyway, the writer of the novel said, I'm not... William Peter Blatty is the other one. Uh, but anyway, he said, I'm not writing a sequel. And the William Frequent said, I'm not directing a sequel. And so the head of the studio said, okay, well, just come to a lunch and let us pitch you a sequel. And we will pay you $500,000 each just to come to this lunch. <laughs> and it was called the Million Dollar Lunch. And it was a famous boondoggle because uh, even at the end of the lunch, they were like, they react much like uh, Sonny does in this episode, which is... Yeah, I still don't think this is a good idea. I'll come to the thing and I'll take your money, but no, I don't want to work with you. And uh, that's why they ended up making Exorcist 3 the way they did. Just an insane bit of nonsense starring Richard Burton and, of all people, Yapfet Kodo. Yeah. Who, you know, who we love, because he was, you know, in uh, a uh, one of the best James Bond movies. And Alien. Uh, but yeah, so uh, just a wonderful story. So they say, let's meet, and then we get... What I was talking about earlier, the idea that Vinny has taken over for Tony Greco as the only guy who Sonny talks to, because he hears about this offer for a meeting, and his only thought is, talk to Vinny about setting this up. Yeah. Right? Because that's that's what a guy like Sonny has, is you that, have the yeah. guy who talks to all the monsters, and this is the point that that's the position he has now become, and that's an incredibly good position to be in. Mm -hmm. Right? So we get them, but at the same time, while he's talking about this deal, Danny in the uh, uh, Danny in the locker room goes to talk to the guy who he beat in the fight, right, and just check mm -hmm. up on him, and he finds out that the guy is shooting up heroin. Yeah. So oof, it's bad, and he demands to know 
where the guy got the heroin. He demands to, you know, he, uh, like he's like, show me the guy. He makes it. Uh, how shall we put this? Uh, he makes the guy's problem his problem, too. And he wants to sort it out and get him off drugs because he wants to reach out and help people. And that honestly, it's his trusting and helpful personality that has kept him on Vinny's side through all of this. So it's not like it makes him a bad person, but it does obviously make him a bit of a naive person. Yeah, it would have been better had he just gone to Vinny. Yeah, had he gone to, <laughs> you know, you know, a mobster who's literally in the next room, Danny. Go talk to the mobster. Yeah. But anyway, you got a mobster in the family could help you out. Uh, but the what we didn't mention is the episode's called Birthday Surprise because it's Vinny's birthday. Yeah, this is Vinny's birthday, so you see that Danny has a, a birthday present. Uh, St. Yeah. Christopher's medal for him. Yeah. Uh, which is, uh, I don't know what who St. Christopher is, saying, is the saint of, but it's a very big thing in uh, Catholic community, uh, Italian Catholic uh, Well, yes, and he has been dethroned. He is no longer a saint, but oh, nobody really? cares. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nobody cares, that. right? Uh, no, he's the saint of, uh, he takes care of you. You know, he's okay. he's almost like a good luck saint. Oh, neat. Okay. When you're driving or when you're, you know. Ah, uh, okay. They're very so like, helpful. Okay. Just, just to watch uh, over you. Yes. Somebody to watch over you. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, I, I'm honestly, again, not an Italian Catholic. <laughs> don't understand any of this stuff. I'm just familiar with the trappings of it, even if I don't know the background of those trappings. Yeah. So what happens is uh, the Vinny and Danny's wife go out for dinner and they're waiting for Danny and he doesn't show up after an hour. So they go looking for it and he's dead in the parking lot of the uh, de still dead in the parking lot of the casino. And there's a needle sticking out of his arm. So the cops are like, oh, he must have overdosed on heroin. And it looks like the cops are going to let this go. And so Vinny, being both a cop and a mobster, decides he's going to sort this out. He's going to figure out who did it. He's going to get revenge. And I mean, and it's pretty clear, like, jail's one thing. He wants to make sure this guy, whoever did this to his cousin, goes down no matter what. You know, it's I, I think it obviously from the first scene, he's more interested in revenge than he is at justice. Oh, but for that's, sure. That's a conversation. That's a kid. That is a. Debatable. Well, that's it, it goes on. And it it is very clear that Vinny does have that tendency. Yeah. Um, Which actually does make him a good mobster. He is not that different from Sonny Steelgrave. That's the consistent message you're getting yeah that oh, Vinny goes goes off off the reservation as much as Sonny does yeah like because Sonny again as you say he's supposed to be a businessman and he but he lets his emotions drive him to do all of these crazy things and as you say Vinny does the same thing he's supposed to yep. be a policeman but he lets his emotions drive him to make all of these mistakes it's there is a real mirroring in them right yes that's that's what is being done for sure, you know, that these are almost, it's the same coin. They're just two sides. The one is attached to the mob. Yeah. The other one's attached to the government. Law. But they've essentially come from the same place. They come from the same place. And that's why they get along so well. They yeah. understand one another. I mean, Vinny can calm Sonny down because Vinny knows what drives Sonny because it's what drives Vinny as well. 
Yeah. And so we get a couple of great scenes where he goes and he harasses the cops and the cops don't want to listen to first him the coroner, first, the first coroner, the coroner, right? Then the detectives. And, and then Frank brings him in and says, what the f are you well, no, doing? No, first he talks to the detectives and they don't listen to him. And he's like, oh, no one's listening to me. Here's what I'm going to do then. I'm going to take out my FBI badge and I'm going to go and like demand the uh, the coroner's Coroner. results from the coroner as an FBI agent, which is, of course, the dumbest thing he could conceivably do. As Frank points out to him and then it almost catches him with Sonny. Yep. But then Sonny, but Sonny knows what's driving. Well, Vinny knows what's driving Vinny and Sonny, of course, is going to buy it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Like, as that's the thing. Even though, I mean, he does, obviously, Sonny doesn't find out about the F flashing an FBI badge or there's no. real trouble. But, and I think this is the key part, he does figure out, like, he knows that the reason that Vinny's suddenly being so unprofessional is because this is a personal thing with him. And again, Sonny totally understands that better than anybody. That's who Sonny is, too. That's exactly yeah. who Sonny is, too. Someone who takes this stuff as personal like everything is personal to him you know and uh, i i again i love the great job they do of mirroring their drives and their reactions to these things because vinny like vinny reacts exactly sunny sorry sunny reacts exactly the way vinny would like which is and suddenly you've got for the first time ever sunny trying to calm vinny down yeah like a complete reversal of their roles in every previous episode. Now Sonny's the one saying, hey, you know, I get it, but yeah, yeah, dial back. We got business to attend to. Yeah, we got the Serazzo meeting. Yeah. So they meet at a Turkish bath. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about the Serazzo is Patrice has already turned down the Serazzos. Yeah, because this uh, is... Sonny goes to ask um, Sid why Patrice isn't dealing with the Serazzos. Like, why are they coming to him and not to Patrice? who has a much bigger shipping organization out of New York. And Sid explains that they bring way too much heat. They killed a federal agent, right? They are, they are nightmares to work with. They bring way too much heat. And as he says, uh, there's a great line where Sonny's like, what's the problem? If they kill me, you can take over my territory. And if they Sid's kill like, you, if, we yeah, don't, yeah, want, we don't your want your territory. territory. It's so it's so true. It's such a great thing. So, like, right away, the most ruthless, murderous people we've met in the show so far don't want to deal with these guys. Yeah. So they're doing a great job with the other characters' interactions, showing why it's such a profoundly bad idea to get involved with this. But Sonny thinks he knows better. Well, yes. So he goes and he takes the meeting, and the result of the meeting is he will not... Uh, he will not let them in through Atlantic City. Like, it's too yeah. close to where he does business, and Atlantic City, as he always says, is legitimate. Like, everything he does in Atlantic yeah, City you is you stay legitimate. out of Atlantic City. Yeah. The Serazzos so don't yeah. want to, but Sonny offers them yeah. so, well, no, another option. What's interesting is Sonny doesn't offer them, and it's uh, it's a power move on their part. Because Sonny doesn't offer them another option. No. They point out that he has a custom setup in Buffalo, New York. And that they can use that instead. And it interests me because, again, it kind of, it says, oh yeah, these guys have done their homework. 
These guys yeah. know everything about Sonny's business already before they ever had the conversation. Again, that's just due diligence. That's what any corporation should do. But it's interesting because in that scene, they don't make a big deal out of it. But it references the idea that, like, Sonny doesn't have any secrets from these guys. And maybe the Buffalo, they were always fine with the Buffalo thing. And the, and again, there's nothing in the episode to suggest this, but it's also well written. It's possible that they were fine. They always wanted or were fine with the Buffalo setup. Right. But they quite pointedly needed Sonny to sign off on it. And so you ask for something unreasonable first. He come in through his home ports. So through Terranova Atlanta. Marine. Yeah. yeah. Terranova Marine is where it would have been coming in. Right. And instead he says no. And then when he's already said no to you once, maybe he's more willing, may, uh, right, to li- to make, uh, sorry, to be amenable to this second offer. So yeah. again, they, they're always, everybody has these games they're playing. And in a way, it isn't a ton different than any other business negotiation. Does that make sense? No, no. Oh, it doesn't. I, I should have. Yes. Uh, no, it's perfect. It perfectly makes sense. And yeah, they come in. Okay, let's let's make him an offer. He's not going to accept that. Then we'll come back with something else because they do come back with it very quickly. Oh, exactly. And because they know that he's got a man in Buffalo, mm-hmm. uh, they agree to not go into Atlantic City. Yeah, so, they agree. If but Sonny uh, asks for something comp- uh, in exchange. Sonny asks them for something completely unreasonable, which is a million dollars a per trip of their stuff into Buffalo. And he wants them to prepay for three trips. So that is three million dollars up front, which is a completely unreasonable thing to ask for. But Sonny knows the position he's in. No one will do business with these guys. Yeah. So they have to go with him. And yes. so Sonny ends up getting handed $4 million yep. in order to get this going. So meanwhile, uh, Frank has said he will look into who killed, uh, he will look into who killed Danny. He'll sort that out. Vinny just has to, right? Right. Vinny just has to focus on the deal. Get the Zerazzos, make sure that like they get caught and ideally, you know, get Sonny caught too. If he can, but fundamentally, the Zerazos are people they need off the table. Yeah. And so Frank picks up the guy who Danny had fought in the boxing match, who he had caught with the heroin, right? Because he is a, a known drug user, and they were in the room, and they were, you know, some of the last people seen him alive. So we figure he's got to know something. So he takes him on a ride and waits until <laughs> his... <laughs> he he's jonesing so hard. <laughs> exactly. Like... He takes him for, he ta- you know, Frank takes him for a ride and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't torture him. He doesn't beat him up. He doesn't, he's just like, nope, uh, you're not going to have any, uh, uh, nope, you're not going to have any heroin. You're just going to sit here in a car with me yep. and you're going to sit here in a car with me until you tell until me what you, tell you know me. about what happened yeah. to Danny Terrio. And Terra Nova. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, he's a Terrio. Terrio. Yeah, okay. Yeah. He's not a Terra Nova. Uh, the mother is the Terra Nova, who ah, I assume okay. is the, his father's sister. Right, uh, Danny Terrio is his name, and so it gets pretty fantastic. Uh, there's just this is some of the most uh, the first examples we get in the show of likable, charming, wry Jonathan Banks. 
Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like, this will be, this is the persona he's going to get known for years later. Just this wry, sardonic guy. And over the course of the first season, he gets more and more chances to do this and play this aspect of the character. But for the first three episodes before this, he has, Frank hasn't had a ton to do. Right. And so uh, as a consequence, it's great to see this both because it's an interesting turn for the character having this wry, canted worldview. It's just, it's, it's a very fun way to take the character. And Jonathan Banks has so much fun playing it. And you know that you're going to be seeing a lot more of that in his career later. So it's great to see it developing here. Like, cause he's got this, this odd sense of humor and this resignation that comes from like understanding that the whole world is terrible or corrupt. And yeah. he, but he manages to smile at it. And I, I love it about the character. I love the way he plays it, and it only gets better from here. But I think this is the first real, like, look into who Frank is that we get. Yes. So, yeah, really fantastic, uh, really fantastic play in this scene. Because, again, he goes straight from the rye to the cop threatening and back again in a second. Like, he's, yep. yeah, he's, he's a very, a it's an agile performance. So, yeah, big, big fan of him generally, huge fan of him. And, of course, he ends up finding out who killed Danny's cousin. Sorry, uh, Danny. <laughs> Danny. Vinny's cousin. Vinny's cousin, uh, Kiki Vano. Yeah. So, hell. And Kiki should have known. Yeah, uh, should have known better. Should have checked who that was. Yep, he, uh, yep. he made a big mistake there. Oh, as big a mistake as possible. Yeah. And so then we get to the climax, which is fantastic, right? Because Vinny, right, gets told that uh, Vinny goes to Frank to set up, you know, how they're going to take down the Zorazos. Uh, yeah, the Zorazos. Like, um, Vinny gets told who the customs guy is. Dorky looking guy with glasses. He gets told who the guy And then the minute he knows, he tells Frank. So they're ready to go. And the plan is they ambush. They're going to ambush them at the... Uh, sorry. They're going to ambush them at the customs place as they're picking up their... But again... Presumably drugs. Again, you see because because Frank does tell Vinny, yeah, that oh, no, it that's is what I was Kiki. About to say. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I was and about to say. So you again get Vinny in that double bind situation of wanting to get rid of Kiki, and he's not going to. He's not. Well, going and that's to be the key thing. To. What Frank says is, in order to protect, because Sonny isn't going to the meeting, so they're not going to yeah. be able to get Sonny. Vinny is handling the meeting for Sonny, and when the meeting gets busted. Well, who's going to get blamed for that? And so what Frank says is, we need Kiki to get blamed for that. We need Kiki as a fall guy who uh, who turns state's evidence against them. And yeah. so we're going to arrest him. We're going to put him in, like we're going to put him on in ice on yeah. ice. And he'd be and we're going to uh, and the cr and the crazy part is we're going to offer him witness protection. And he'd be a fool not to take it. So yeah. right around. Vinny has just been told that the guy who killed his cousin is going to get away with it. Yes. And that's the key part. Like, he is going to get away with it. He is going to be handed a pardon in exchange for his testimony against the organization, the Zorazos, and maybe even Sonny, if, uh, depending on who gets arrested. So it's kind of a great scene because now what Vinny wants most is for justice, revenge, how you, however you want to phrase it. And he's been told that his job means that his job ensures that that's never going, never to, happen. going to happen. 
And so he stomps off. He's he's gonna he's gonna testify. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. And, and then, then he cools off. Yeah. Well, and Frank quite rightly says, "Yeah, you know, maybe it's if it makes you feel better, great. But you'll blow the whole program. But hey, you get to feel better." Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And again, Frank's a fantastic. Again, hey, people know how to manipulate Vinny. Plenty yeah. of people know how to manipulate Vinny. Uh, but anyway, so it's it's a great scene. So he goes, they have the big showdown at the uh port. <laughs> at the port. And there's actually a fun moment before that we didn't mention with Harry the Hunch. Uh where he is, of course, Harry the Hunch has done all of his research and he gives them a little monologue about what the Zarazos are like and what order you should kill them in if it comes down to that. <laughs> yeah. Because again, he's he's the scientist. He's the historian of the mob. He knows everything. He's been it's there. Nice he's seen thing. it all. <laughs> exactly. He's seen it all. Oh, just a just a wonderful scene. All right. So uh, they go. Everything goes down. The Zorazos both get killed. They arrest the uh, customs guy. All right, and of course they arrest Vinny. And then we get the uh, the nice moment of uh, <laughs> Sonny once again bailing Vinny out of jail. And saying, ah, it'll be in court for so long, you'll be dead before it gets yeah, before settled. before you actually have to, yeah. With exactly. the lawyers I've got. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> with the lawyers I've got, um, Herb, uh, no, not Herb, uh, Ketchell is the lawyer who they talk about a bunch, but I don't know whether we ever meet him. Uh, but they have a w- lawyer named Ketchell who's like, no, don't worry, he's the best. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll get you out of anything. Yeah. Right? And it's true. And one of the fun parts about the American justice system is, uh, that with a lot of mob cases, there are high-profile arrests, and then nobody goes to jail five years later. That actually happens a lot, because it's such an ordeal to try and, uh, you know, uh, to try and uh, prosecute these guys. A, because they've got great lawyers, and B, because they tend not to write stuff down, so you're, all your, like, everything tends to be based on witness testimony, and witnesses can be killed, they could be intimidated, or honestly, after three years, they can just not want to be a part of this anymore. So it tends to be really, really difficult. But that's the problem they're having with Donald Trump right now. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he always ran his uh, business like he was a mob boss, so he never wrote anything down. He just told people to go commit crimes, and then those people went and committed the crimes, but there's nothing proving that Donald Trump said, go commit these crimes. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> the man <laughs> ate... The man would write instructions, criminal instructions on pieces of paper, and then eat the pieces of paper. Because that was the one way he could be sure that no one would be able to get to them. He's a he's a crazy mom boss, and he became the president of the United States. Crazy. Hey, right? hey it was about time, eh? <laughs> yeah, we got a crazy mob boss president. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's very interesting, and again, it's very true to how the mob works. Where, and this is something that a lot of TV shows don't get, and they have mob shootouts, uh, which is it's not actually that much of a problem to get arrested when you're in the mob. Like, they're not that afraid most of the time of getting arrested because unless you catch them actually in the commission of a crime, right, they're, what do they have to worry about? Like, unless you and, actually... they have, and they have had lawyers who advise them on how to yeah. get around this the situations that could land oh, yeah. them in jail. Now, some of oh, them of have landed in jail, of course, but anyway, but uh later and you know, you go on and on and on and there are fewer and fewer of the CEOs of the different families. families. 
That's true. And one of the interesting thing is, you look at how they get them so frequently, and I mean, it's the Al Capone thing. They don't get them for murder. They don't get them for the awful things they do. They get them because it's really hard to explain why you have a lot of money. And in America, it's illegal to have a lot of money if you can't explain where you got it. And these guys all have tons of money, and laundering that is the most difficult part of being a mobster. Because that's where they catch you. Yeah, it's very interesting. Anyway, let's get back to this. So, uh, he comes out of the door, right? And so, Vinny tells him, and he's been told, you know, that uh, Kiki's being picked up. And so Vinny tells Sonny that he heard some mob got uh, some cops talking inside about the mob and how uh, it was Kiki who got arrested and blew the deal. And and Sonny has the best reaction to that, which is, huh, it's just and yeah. that's his entire reaction. Huh? Oh, that's a surprise. He doesn't seem angry. He doesn't seem perturbed. He's just like, huh? Oh, would you would you buy that? And then the weirdest thing happens. So Sonny, of course, travels everywhere by limousine. You know, and but he he and Vinny get in the front of the limousine. He drove the limousine himself. And the reason he drove the limousine himself is that Vinny finally got uh, his, his birthday, birthday present, present from Sonny, which is uh, turns out when Frank was trying to figure out who killed Danny. Yeah. Sonny never took his eye off the ball either. Like both guys were like, Vinny, just focus on your job and we'll deal with this. And Vinny didn't yeah. want to listen to either of them. But both guys were telling him the truth. Both of them actually went out and looked into it to deal with it. And when Sonny found out Kiki did it, he had him killed. Yep. And so and, he opened, lowers and the wrapped, partition and <laughs> in the backseat of the car is with Kiki a great with big a bow bowl. And this is my point, and this is what I brought up to you last week that we should talk about today. My suspicion is, and you tell me what you think, I don't think Vinny told Frank about this. I honestly don't. Because he's got this, you know, quite a surprised look of how this comes. But you know that he and, you know, Sonny then went and got rid of the body together. It was another one of their bonding exercises, and it's what he wanted, and Frank, you feel like if he knew about it, it would come up in conversation later. And it ne- never does it come never up does. in conversation again. And that's why I suspect that he didn't tell Frank that Kiki's dead and Sonny killed him. That is my suspicion. And my suspicion is based on some stuff that happens in the last episode of The Ark. Well, yeah, I think because, well, yeah, because all along, I mean, Vinny does, well, he's getting, first of all, he's getting the adrenaline rush from all of this. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's quite possible he didn't, well, because it was irrelevant. Yeah, like Kiki's going him. down either way, the Zaratsos are dead. It's not like, it. not like it matters. Well, well, except Kiki that for can't Frank, testify. it would have mattered. Well, of it would have mattered for Frank. Yeah. But Vinny's just as happy that this guy's dead. And that's my point. I really feel like, and he again, might not have taught. he might okay. not have told Frank about it simply because it was a favor. Like, yeah. he did, like, Sonny did what Frank refused to do, which is get justice for Danny. Yeah. And that interests me. 
Well, it's not only that, but it 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 sets up again why Vinny ultimately is having such a difficult problem with these two lives he's living. Yeah. Because Sonny is just one of the guys he grew up with. Yeah. It's not all that much different from the guys he grew up with. No, he, he's really not. And as we keep saying, he ain't that different from Vinny. No. He really isn't. You know, and we will we will see that later on. Some of the reasons why in one of the poorest episodes. Oh. But let's <laughs> let's move on to one on one. One on one, which is an episode entirely about the compromises you make in the world of undercover police work. Yeah, this the, was This is a rough hour of television. This well, um yeah, I I think it was um and it shows it shows you how people who do undercover work get manipulated. Yep. Um and huh, Yeah, it, it is um you know that that they get pushed. Now the interesting thing is is Frank is much more insistent that Vinny pull out. Yeah. He really wants Vinny to pull out during this what's happening okay, here. So we'll explain is, what's happening in the episode. Yeah. So the episode starts with a deal over some microchips happening down at the docks, right? And Vinny is there to look it over, so's Harry, right? And then the cops show up. And the guys they're dealing, selling the microchips to uh, go a little nuts and start shooting at the cops, which is the last thing you should do. And in fact, uh, yeah. the, the guy in charge of them is like, stop shooting people. But he gets shot for his trouble because, you know, you don't want to shoot at cops. That just makes everything worse. And so Vinny and Harry manage to make it out the back door. But, you know the they lo they lose the hardware they lose the money they were supposed to get paid for the hardware you know that's a three hundred thousand dollar loss to the organization we find out in the next scene and then we find out that this isn't the first time right that they've been hit lately mm -hmm. by the cops like someone is ratting them out and it is making everyone like everyone is getting real paranoid yes particularly sunny Oh, particularly Sonny, but also Sid Royce. And they and have Sid a conversation. Royce. And they have a conversation in the room, which is like With Vinny. the only people who knew about this microprocessor deal were Harry, Vinny, Sid Royce, and Sonny. Yeah. Like, so, and I mean, they leave one name out of there. The guy who got shot to death also knew about the deal, but he's mm -hmm. dead now. And he probably wasn't turning them over to the cops. Right. Yeah. He, uh, and so you end up with the situation where, okay, well, one of them is giving this information. out. Yep. Yeah. And so the question is, who's it going to be? Now, obviously, we know it's not Vinny because he goes to talk to Frank about it, about how all of this extra heat is making it impossible for him to do his job. And well, we it's, it's like, why? well, he first accuses Frank. Yeah. I mean, this is of, the first hint they get, but he accuses Frank. Of calling of the uh, local calling cops, the cops in. And Frank says, are you kidding? Of course We not. were just sitting there taking pictures and looking. Yeah. Like you told us about the deal and we were posted up on the rooftops recording the whole thing. We never would have, yeah. like, we weren't, we weren't planning. If we were going to bust it, we would have told you. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, like they're professionals. And so you end up in the situation where, okay, well then who did do it? And that's when we meet uh, Karen, mm-hmm. who is, uh, yeah, who is Annette Benning. Yes. Famous Annette- celebrity Annette Benning. Annette Benning, yeah. <laughs> Take one of her first roles. Yeah, one of her early TV roles. I don't know what yes. she did in stage beforehand. I would have to look that up. But yeah, one of her early TV roles, playing a woman who is uh, who is a fundraiser for the local ballet company. Uh, who is there? And so she meet. It's him at the office because she's going to talk to Sid Royce about that. Yeah, and she flirts with Vinny, and uh, she flirts with Vinny, and it's all very playful. And uh, they actually go out for dinner, right? Because he, uh, they go to see, Ca- he goes to see Carmen. Yeah. Right, because she has tickets to see Carmen. And he goes to see Carmen, and they have a, they have a quick snack, and then something doesn't sit right with her, with him, and so he, uh, about her, yeah. and so she, he keeps watching her, and uh, sees her with Sid Royce. Yeah. And uh, he gets it into his head that okay. This is definitely, you know, there's definitely something suspicious going on here. Meanwhile, as you've said, Frank is desperate for Vinny to pull out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's desperate for Vinny to pull out because it's like they're locking down all the communication. They're sweeping the place for bugs. And Sonny calls the one person he can trust some buddies of him from Miami. Yeah. To come up and essentially look into Vinny. And so they search Vinny's place. They put a gun to his head when he find they find him, and Vinny, of course, assumes it's uh, Sid Royce doing it. But it's we find out it's actually Sonny. That's how paranoid he is. He's ready to turn on Vinny. And what they find is a giant stack of driver's licenses. One of them that has a Quantico, Virginia address. And so we get the key moment for, and this is the key moment for how deep Vinny is in with Sonny. Because he gets a call to come downstairs and go for a ride in the middle of the night. Yep. And he knows what that is. They're not doing a job. The job is maybe Vinny's getting shot in the head. Yeah. And Frank tells him, you know, like, because he calls lifeguard to report this. And Vinny's like, don't go. Just come in. It's over. But Vinny believes in himself and he believes in his relationship with Sonny. And he goes for the ride anyway. And it's a great scene. Yeah, it's I think a it's a fan. I think it's a fantastic scene. Like it is so tense because again, like Sunny, and you can uh, tell how Ray Sharkey is playing it that Sunny doesn't want to kill Vinny, and he just needs Vinny to give him a reason. Like, he needs him to give him a good enough reason not to kill him. Because he doesn't want to do it. But he also knows he is an incredibly bad position. Like, he knows someone's leaking. And he's got this, he's got this ID from Quantico, Virginia, which is where they, you know, uh, where they train FBI agents. So. And so Vinny does come up with a good enough reason. Which is, well, this was my job. Yeah. Did you never look up why I was in prison in the first yeah. place? I spent years smuggling bootleg cigarettes up and down the East Coast. And so if I ever get stopped, so I got 30 driver's licenses. All of them look fine. And so whenever I get stopped by a cop, I flash them a different driver's license. 
And that's all it is. And then he's like, hey, you know, you got all this ID saying you live in Washington, D.C. Yeah. You know, so how do we know you're not working with the FBI, Sonny? And Sonny's, he's not completely sure, but he loves Vinny. And it's a good story. And honestly, Vinny really wasn't giving him up. So he is able, he is able to win at least another day. Mm -hmm. Which, kind of fantastic. So... Uh, so, so Frank goes to see the local, uh, the, the state cops, right? And say, why are you, why do you keep busting these things? Or the city cops? No, the it's city the cops. city cops. Yeah, the city cops. The city cops saying, like, you keep busting and you're ruining my, uh, you know, you're absolutely ruining our organization, right? No, sorry, our operation. And so the city cops figure out that he's got a man inside the organization, but they're not, they're not willing to stop their operation, which puts us in a uh, kind of a bind that's bound to come to a head. Meanwhile, Sid Royce, his idea is just just grab the local head of the FBI and torture him until you find out who's involved in the organization. <laughs> which is crazy. Uh, so, and Sonny's response is, no, we're not going to kill, uh, kidnap the local head of the FBI, Frank McPike, you know, Jonathan Banks, uh, like, what kind of attention is that going to give us? We're just going to not commit crimes for a few months. Yeah, and then what happens, of course, because Sid yeah. is secretly there to destroy Sonny and mm -hmm. allow Patrice to take over Sonny's, does, does exactly that. And his plan, which is actually a pretty good plan, is torture Frank, get the name, but make sure you don't kill him and make sure he overhears that it was Sonny who ordered that he be kidnapped and tortured. Which yep. is one hell of a plan. Yes. Except uh, that. Ex except the, uh, uh, <laughs> the undercover cop for the city and Vinny end up in an elevator because Vinny now knows that Frank is gone. Mm -hmm. And he just And he just comes finds out finds out from like, her. Yeah, yeah he just out. tells her, yeah, he says, he I know you're like, an undercover and I'm an FBI undercover, and you have to tell me where Frank McPike is. Yeah, because your your ham handed attempts to get this thing done have ended up with my right, with my handler getting kidnapped. So you've got to figure out uh, we've got to figure out what's going on. And we get a good scene because uh, we had seen him early. Uh, we had seen Sid and her in bed earlier and Sid talking to the guys that he was hiring to do the kidnapping. So there's just enough information, right? That they know it's happening in the laundry. Yes. And, and then a, he goes and talks to Harry he goes, one more he always, time. <laughs> yeah, he always goes and talks to Harry about this stuff. And Harry's like, yeah, laundry is the best place in the world to literally, like, to figuratively launder money because... How do you keep her and see the secret with laundering money? And I mean, if you've seen Breaking Bad, you know all about this is you need a primarily cash business, right? Mm -hmm. Where there's no e there's where there's no what do you call it? Um, inventory, right? Yeah. Because you need to be able to say, oh, yeah, I did a hundred jobs this week. And they're like, oh, so you put you planted a hundred trees. Well, where'd you buy the trees? Blah, 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 blah. And it gets to be a mess. Whereas, with laundry, how the hell much, like, how do you know how much laundry they did? The old thing. I always wondered how, um, 
how there were so many shoe repair places in Montreal that no one ever went into me. And when, when I lived in Montreal, <laughs> there's freaking shoe repair places everywhere. And I'm like, why are there so many shoe repair, repair places that no one ever goes into? And someone explained to me, yeah, that's the mob. That's how they launder money. Because well, there's no way the cops can check how many shoes got repaired. Yeah, because it's, well, it's mostly a cash business. I mean, exactly. it, it, it got more complicated when cash becomes, like, it get, got more, a little more complicated and there had to be an adaptation once cash was. When uh, we, yeah, once there's fewer and fewer people doing business in cash. Yeah. But they're still finding a way. And so a laundry is the perfect place. And he finds out that uh, Pat the Cat still has a big laundry. Just one. In Jer- yeah, in the, in the city. Only one. Like, only one. And that, so that must be where it's taken. So they go, they have a shootout. They rescue Frank. Problem solved. Yeah. Except the problem is not solved because this blows her cover. And so before we get to the end of the episode, oof. Uh, before we get to the end of the episode, let's just talk about what a great job Annette Benning does in this part. Yeah. She's so good. Yeah, and you can see why she became Annette Benning. <laughs> yeah, like why she became such a huge star just in this yeah. one part. Because she's got, um, what do you call it? She, because she plays, she plays the high society lady who is whose job is to get money out of rich people. She plays a woman on the edge of a nervous breakdown because she's being asked herself to essentially to let's face it pour herself out for the police department as she said i'm a as government she whore says, i'm a whore yeah. for the government and she also gets to play when you know during the whole trying to rescue frank things like oh wait someone who like remembers like that these are bad people and there's a reason i'm doing this and be you know passionate about her job again for the first time in years since this undercover thing has been getting under her skin. Yeah. And that's the thing. And it gets all into, well, what are expectations of women versus men in sex? Because, spoiler alert, uh, Vinny's having sex with the ladies that Sonny gets for him. Of course, you know? because if he wasn't, it there would, would not be, look good. Exactly. It would not look good. Yeah. But there's all of these ideas about, like, there's all of these social conventions about women using sex to get things that make it so what she's doing is devalued compared to what Vinny is doing. And the show doesn't spend long getting into that, but it gets into it just enough to, like, expose this double standard in law enforcement. Well, yeah, as they say, James Bond can do it all he wants. Yeah, she as she said, full on. Like, if if I were a man, I would be James Bond. Yeah. Instead, you know, like people just look at her funny and like don't want to hear her stories and like they want to they want the results, but they don't want to think about what they're doing to this woman having to, you know, let's face it. Yeah. Sleep with Sid Royce. Jesus. God. And, and the looks on her face when he's not looking. <laughs> I know. Oh. I mean, it is. A, it is a wonderful. It's a wonderful it's a acting job. Great performance. And then, of course, and then she's supposed to be whisked off. Yeah, they're they're because, putting her protection. Yeah, because I'm not sure that it's saving Frank that blows her cover so much as Sid because he's looking for the rat. And no, no, fun. no but they, oh they no, it's know. after that. No, yeah, no, it's yeah, after yeah. that. They say she's killed. No, because she was right. Seen, yeah, like uh, what do you call it? She was running around. The guys with uh, you know, uh, some people see her. They can't be sure she hasn't been blown. So they agree to get her out of the city. 
And so they, there's a headline in the newspaper that saying she's that dead. she's missing and presumed dead. Yeah. Right? Missing and presumed dead. And so, you know, and then Vinny you, goes then to we, Frank. Vinny no, goes no, to Frank. No, and, here, no, not before that. Because oh, right. we go back to the office where Sid says they he had someone in in he has someone in payroll in the police department and found out City that, Hall and found out that she was cashing a paycheck from the police department. Yeah. And then boom. And so he sent, you know, called some hitters from Boston to come and take her out. And they yeah. did they obviously did a good job, is his uh, thing. And then of course you get the wonderful scene of uh even though it's very bleak within that scene as well, of <laughs> Of Sonny forcing Sid to apologize to Vinny, yeah, for casting aspersions on his character, because Which and that's nice the thing. that's the only penalty though yeah. that Sid has to now well, mind you that's a big penalty in the mob, but oh yeah, it's a big penalty in the mob, and Sid of course is a scumbag who clearly yeah. thinks that Vinny is beneath him, so it is actually a punishment to him, yes, uh, but... to have to apologize to Vinny, <laughs> but of course. Then Vinny goes to talk to Frank to find out, to assume that, like, her disappearing is a cover, like, to protect her as she got away. And Frank's like, no, she was supposed to meet up with somebody to get whisked out of the city, and she never showed. So we have to assume she is, in fact, dead dead in a shallow grave somewhere. And that's the end of the episode. It's a rough ride. Yeah, it is. It's a... It's a rough ride. It builds and builds and the last mm-hmm. part of it, as all episodes should, you know, it yeah. starts off with a little bit of, yeah. you know, and and it builds and it ends. It just ends on a very, very somber note, yeah. as it should. Oh, yeah. I mean, that there's, this there's no Vinny, happy ending to this story. No, because not only is she dead, but yeah. Vinny is, has to face the fact that this could happen to him yeah because he did they did have a close because if as close call. as frank told him if if sunny starts to call in some of his favors and starts to really um, dig into his back dig into you there are going to be cracks yeah and he's going to find them yeah like it's a good i mean it's the greatest uh it is one of the greatest covers possible because again he's undercover as himself and he actually went out and committed crimes as himself so it's like it's a great cover but it's not a person but it's not a perfect cover he spent you know three years learning to be an fbi agent and no one knew where he was at that time and he would have a hard time uh, a very hard time explaining it so it's like the show really thinks that through and we then yeah and we have that coming up again in the second season Yes, that will come that up again. Problem. Yeah, season. so we will we will revisit this problem mm-hmm. again. Oh yeah, but it's yeah. Uh, honestly it's a great episode. Like yeah. it, it truly is. It's one of uh, I think again, you know me, I think they're all great. But this is such a great episode in that it shows you again, you know, the female side of this which we hadn't seen before. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, downside of the show. There's not a lot of women on the show. No, no, not a lot of major female characters. But then this was the eighties. It was the eighties, and that was a normal thing. And when women went into the FBI, generally speaking, or whatever, they, they, they uh, manned the phones. Yep, they were secretaries. They manned the phones. You know, you could, you could, uh, you could listen to some of the, the discussions 
of female agents when they first yeah. got into the FBI oh, and how difficult God. it was and how they didn't want them there. Yeah, it's fantastic. This was like the, the, the are, ultimate, these are amazing stories. It's yeah. yeah, as you say, the ultimate boys club. It absolutely yep. was. So right, uh, and it's fascinating because you get this the the female side of this for the first time. We, I mean, it's it is not to the show's credit that our first major female character doesn't show up until halfway through the first season and is a villain. But that said, Susan's a wonderful character. <laughs> She is. She's just a wonderful character. Okay, well, let's, you know, let's wait. But we'll get there. We'll get there. Not, hey, yeah. I'm not rushing things. We're, we're going to get there. No, I mean, they, they do resolve your problem. Eventually. Eventually, because the point is, is it's trying to be fairly realistic. And the reality is yep. <laughs> that men run the mobs. And they run few. the cops. They run the cops and they run the mobs. And that's that's, that's the reality. And so what you're getting ultimately is the reality of what this business is. Yeah. So, both sides um, yeah, both sides of it. So it's, it's a patriarchal nightmare is what it is. <laughs> exactly, but anyway, yeah. couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, <laughs> okay. no, and it's fascinating. And I think they do a great job of it, but I mean, someone, um, someone watching it today, I think they might find it odd again. I don't want to speak for people, but they might find it a little odd that it's like it is an entirely male centric world to the point that it's like the only recurring female character in the show really is Vinny's mother. Well, yeah. And and but that is and as we talk about this on and on, this is why you have when you go back and look at a show like this, what you are seeing was <coughs> the past. Sorry. And yeah. it is not unrealistic. Like, you no. know, I mean, the shows and things are heightened, but that part of it where you have mostly men and mm -hmm. women have peripheral roles periodically. And as Annette Benning shows in one on one, they have a really difficult part. And that has continued. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like this is it. This is the world. The world may be better now. Yeah. Okay. If you want to understand the world has changed, you have to watch these shows because this show is not giving you a portrayal of a world that is far removed from reality. I think that's in, true. In, this, in the sense, I mean, Vinny getting away with all the things he gets away with and the rest of it, yes, and Frank and all of that. Because I don't think the FBI ever got anyone in that high. No. <laughs> ever in their lives because we've been watching these these oh, yeah. crime fans. You know, it's only somebody who turns. They find they find somebody yeah. underneath who can turn. Yeah. And that's that's how they, they work it, right? But for the most part, you know, it's this is I mean, yeah, it's it's a show, but this this patriarchal world where most of the cops ninety five percent of the cops are men. Yeah. At this point, and all and, of the mobsters are men, and all of the mobsters are men is reality. And you, Which, never by the way, even... by the way, the show full on takes this on in season three. Yeah, well, we'll like it actually becomes a major plot point in season three. Like this question of the patriarchy running everything is actually at the core of one of oh. the very interesting storylines of the show. Yeah, and, then, and then we see a woman 
Yes, and that then we can see just what happens to women who are in power. <laughs> yes, they are as patriarchal as anybody else. So, <laughs> well, um, no, but I mean, I mean, that's the question. It's like you want to you want a place for you in the system, but doesn't getting a place in the system mean upholding this existing corrupt system? Well, this is what I've always said: feminism isn't going to do get anything done if all the women get places in the system and they start behaving like men well then nothing has changed nothing has changed if you have to behave like men to get to the top then nothing has changed yeah it's just that you know now we've got it's not quite it's well what do we call it now you know uh, because patriarchy of course revolves around father um and It doesn't become a matriarchy because no. matriarchies behave differently. Yeah. So I'm not sure what you call it, except that these women have turned themselves into men. Yeah. And, and I'm sure, I am sure there's an academic term for that that we're forgetting. Oh yeah. I'm sure but, somewhere along you know, the line. There's, it's not like there hasn't been important work on this already done. We're not blazing yeah. new territory with no, these observations no, no. No, or no. anything like that. But the show Look at Hillary Clinton. Look at Hillary Clinton. (laughs) You know, it's like, she's going to be the first woman president. And is she going to do anything different than Bill Clinton did when he was president? No, because all of that neoliberal, you know, all of that neoliberal bootstrap garbage, they both believed in equally. It was just like, it was going to be the exact same presidency of Bill Clinton. Or or like Obama. I mean, that's the interesting thing, because you look at Obama. Yeah, the first black Black president. president. Well, yeah, guess yeah. what? Guess what? He just held up the system and talked about how great the system and was. It was so fun. Well, it was so it was so funny because I was listening to somebody talking about that about um, if that it, they were talking about racism and said, for heaven's sakes, Obama yeah. did everything that conservatives love, and if he yeah. hadn't been black, they would have loved him. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, that's why that's why right now the American right wing is having such a hard time getting every getting their people to rally against uh, Joe Biden, which is it's like he's an old white guy who does exactly what conservatives want him to do. What are they supposed to be objecting to exactly? Yeah. You know, like Joe Biden has been basically a Republican since the 1980s, like his before he became uh, Obama's vice president. The most thing, famous thing he ever did was completely screwing it over, um, oh God, Anita Hill. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think people knew who Joe Biden was other than the fact that he completely screwed over Anita Hill until he became, you know, the vice president? Yes, he, he has they, apologized for that since. Oh, yeah. Well, no, he apologized <laughs> that. I, I loved Anita Hill that, like, <laughs> yeah, the, the fact that within their family, every time there was an un, unexpected ring at the doorbell for 20 years, she would say, oh, that must be Joe Biden coming to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, which she, so, and as you say, she, he finally did when he started running for president, but it's like, Maybe do that before you're running for president. So it yeah, maybe like you maybe cut your come to Jesus moment. Come to, I don't know, come to ISIS moment before <laughs> that, right? <laughs> not a. I mean, I know who you mean by ISIS. There, maybe not the right term to use at the moment. <laughs> you know, given ISIS troubling associations with 
terrorists. Oh, ISIS. <laughs> yes. No, no. That, okay, yes. I, I'm talking about the, the, the main goddess of the Mediterranean <laughs> Greco-Roman world. Yeah, exactly. No, I know who you meant. But, you know... <laughs> ISIS has different connotations these days. I know it's all terrible. I'll say about you know, it. yes, it yes. You know, well, I mean, that's what, and let's not forget that's what happened to the show Archer. <laughs> like, yes, they had to was... stop being a spy organization <laughs> because a real life group of murderers started using the same name. Yeah, yeah. Poor Archer, <laughs> who started yeah. out so delightful. Yes. All anyway, right. okay, so, we're yeah, done. That was uh, two wonderful episodes of Wise Guy, and I'm going to say it, it only gets better next week, because next oh, week yes. we're going to meet the, uh, the Vinny's most, yeah, mother. Vinny's mother, one of the most important characters in the entire show, obviously. Yep. She will be here, like, so important that she'll be here even after Vinny leaves the show. Yeah. <laughs> like, spoiler alert, Vinny leaves the show at one point, and... His mother still shows up because everybody wants to see Elsa Raven, who plays the mother, and is fantastic. Yes. Uh, I watched a wonderful interview with her. She was like, because she's much younger than the character she's playing. Yes. But she does a great job. But yeah, her, her age is created largely through makeup. She doesn't actually look like that. She doesn't actually sound like that. But you wouldn't know that to no. watch her on the show. It's an amazing no. performance. We all love Elsa Raven, who plays her. We all love Carlotta Terranova. Like, just fantastic character. You're going to meet her next week. And then we have... A, that, so that's oh. Prodigal Son. That's right. Just like the show we love. Uh, so yes. we have Prodigal Son. And then right after Prodigal Son, we have the thing that I always talk about as one of my favorite episodes. A Deal's A Deal's A Deal. A deal. And it, you might wonder why it's one of my favorite episodes, but we'll talk about that next week. And hopefully I will be able to explain in a coherent fashion why i love this episode so much yes it's always hard because you so love this show <laughs> I, I adore every episode of the show for the whole first season i think yes. the whole first season's perfect um there are ups and downs in the second season there are way more ups than downs than the third season is just a mess like yeah. uh, there's episodes i adore there's episodes that i'm like what were they thinking yeah. And then you have uh, the end of the season, which, and I mean, spoiler alert, we've hinted at this before, is basically Twin Peaks. <laughs> that we love! We love! And and the crazy part is, it's completely coincidental because it the episode, the story arc that is basically Twin Peaks premiered the same week Twin Peaks premiered. <laughs> it was just a complete coincidence. And an amazing one at that. So yeah, well, there's it's a Twin lot Peaks of fun without stuff to the come. crazy. Without the crazy, exactly. Uh, well, there's still without... quite a bit of crazy. Actually, you say that there's actually quite a lot of crazy. Yes, I know, but there's there, but there's not, there's not um, dual personality crazy, yeah. and there's yeah. not, there's, there's no you know, mysticism, no, there's no, no, there's no, the owls are not what they seem. There's no, and, yeah, there, you're, and you're, there's no, there's no red dwarves in the red room who can't speak yeah, exactly. english speak, you know well no they speak he speaks english well he yeah. speaks english spoken backwards and then reversed yes <laughs> Just so to good. double confuse us yeah. we love anyway. twin peaks too by the way yes by the way we will never do a no no we would never attempt to do a twin peaks podcast don't worry. no no, 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 that's no, no. So far beyond. It's our, it's just uh, like what would you say? I know, right? 
here's here's what it felt like to have Twin Peaks wash over me this week. Just describing feelings of alienation and confusion to a therapist. <laughs> over and over again. It's a lot of fun. And if, when you go back and watch it, you're like, you know, actually, the only show, 20% of the show that people remember is, like, the truly crazy stuff. 80% of that show was actually a completely run-of-the-mill nighttime soap opera. But it's the 20% that was just bonkers that everybody remembers. (laughs) Well, yes, and we loved Mel Ferrer. Uh, Miguel Ferrer. Yes, Miguel Ferrer as... No, Albert Albert Rosenfeld is one of the greatest characters in the history of television. Oh, he is such a wonderful character. He's he's unbelievably fantastic. Albert Rosenfeld's perfect. And it's a perfect performance of an amazing character. Yeah. All right, so... That's that. Uh, we were going to see you back here next week for Prodigal Son and A Deal's a Deal. And then right after that, it's it's over. The arc's over. Just nine episodes. Yep. As crazy as that sounds, just nine episodes, ten a- hours, and it's over the week after with uh, The Marriage of Heaven and Hell and Nobody Gets no, Out of Here Alive. No one gets out of here alive. Oh, which, again, luckily, uh, style, um, style Section's the the YouTube channel we're the biggest fan of Canal Fan four five eight seven has the original aired version of No One Gets Out of Here Alive with the uh, original music cues which are very important for the episode which we'll talk about when we get there. Yes. So, so that's that. We're going to see you back here next week for that. In the meantime, if you have any questions, if you have any comments, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear it if you have any suggestions for other shows we should watch or books we should read. So check us out there. If you're listening to this on some sort of app or podcatcher, please rate and review the show because that's how more people find out about it. We'll see you back here next week for more style section. But until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. And have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.